How many of you here like to look at the sky? Yeah. You know, um, I had the privilege of taking a group of my church members on a mission trip once to a state called Mato Grosso in central, central Brazil. And as luck would have it, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Uh, our flight got delayed. They lost our suitcases. Uh, we were stuck for a couple of days without them. Uh, and then when we finally managed to go and get to our destination, we still had another six-hour drive to where we were actually going to have our mission. And any typical, if, you're, if you have kids and you just start getting going and you're driving down the road and you're, you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm making some pretty good time. And then all of a sudden you hear, I need to go to the bathroom. But here's the kicker. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. It's a massive straightaway. Longer, if not as, as long, as Alligator Alley. And there is no traffic light. There is no civilization as far as the eye can see. And we need to stop. So, well, all right, ladies to the back, gentlemen to the front. So after everybody was done, and we were just kind of talking by the van, the comment was made, I have never seen so many stars in my life. Why? There's no light pollution man-made light pollution anywhere to be seen. And you could clearly see the, 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 the Milky Way. And you can see, and there are places here in the States that you can still do that today. So when we look at a Bible text, and you know what? Flight suits aren't made for microphones or clickers. Can you, Victor, can you grab my clicker, please? Thank you. So when you look at a text um, that we find in the book of Genesis, but more specifically in the book of Psalms, chapter 19, look, look what David writes. Verses 1 through 6. Psalm chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. And it says this. The heavens declare the glory of God. I mean, we can stop there, but I won't. If you ever found yourself outside looking up, you will see some amazing, amazing things that is just indescribable. You may see a shooting star. 
a meteorite. You may even see a satellite. How many of you here have seen satellites with the naked eye? Yeah, you can do that. You have to be in a place that doesn't have a whole lot of light pollution and just keep looking and you will see something faster than the plane just whiz through the sky. That's a satellite. No aliens. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and right unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them, he had set a tabernacle for the sun. I mean, this is such poetic language. You guys know what the word tabernacle means? It's a place of abide. We could call it a home. We could call it a place of dwelling. David is saying that God set space so he could put the sun in the middle of the galaxy. Let your mind just wander about the creative power of God. This is a witch is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. This isn't the bride, this is the bridegroom. Back in, 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 in the weddings for, for Hebrew, the, the bridegroom would actually come out to meet the bride. And in our culture, it's all about the bride. But God is saying, no, it's about both. Let's continue. And he rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of the heaven and its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heart. The heavens declare the works of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. How many of you here have taken an IQ test before? I'm not asking you to share your answer. But most of us, or some of us, have taken an IQ test. So let me ask you this. When I read this passage in Genesis chapter 1, verses 14, it says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from night, and let them be signs and seasons and for days and years. One of these is not like the other. Which one does not belong? There are four components. Why God created the heavens, why he created the lights and placed them in the sky. They have four functions, but one of them is not like the other. Anyone? Let me read them again to you. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from night and to let, the, let, let them be for signs and seasons and days and years. Which one is not like the other? Signs. What are signs for? 
I talked about this right at the beginning. We have a sign, a huge sign out front, right? And it conveys what? A message. The message in that sign is free food, five o'clock. But did you know that the heavens also serve as signs? No, I'm not talking about signs for the future coming of Jesus, because we know that that's going to happen. But right now, the heavens declare the works of the Lord in such a way that you probably have not thought of before. But since the beginning of time, as we know it, God intentionally created every placement for every star, every heavenly body, in order for it to be a sign for something. Have you thought about that? Did you know that? We know about the seasons, right? We know that there are certain times of the years when you, when you look at the sky and you can, if you are a stargazer, you can pinpoint certain constellations that are there during that time of the year and there are not in the other. For example, when I lived in Massachusetts, it, it, it was much better to see some certain constellations than it is here in Florida. Why? Geography, simple geography. And then it comes down to math, angles, geometry. But there are certain times of the year that certain constellations appear and others do not. For example, Orion. You can't see Orion every single day of the year. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And so these things, God placed them in the heavens to tell us. And the seasons. So we know that certain constellations are there. But we, did you know that when God instituted the festivals, they were to fall in line with the calendar based on the heavenly skies? All of these calendars. Why do you think Easter falls at a different time in our Gregorian calendar today because we don't have the same system that was implemented since the beginning of time. We follow a different system. So that's why sometimes Easter falls in April and sometimes it falls in, early, in late March because of the, the calendar and the seasons. So the heavenly bodies pinpoint to different times of the year. We know for days when the earth rotates, we know that the sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. And we know that every year the earth goes around the sun one time. Hence the word birthday. I mean, come on, Pastor. All right, that's, that's kind of simple, isn't it? But it's in the simplicity that we need to be reminded that we will find the intricacies of heaven. When we, so this is an ecliptic path. We know that we go around the sun. And so we know how do we see certain constellations. Well, they take an imaginary line and they draw it from the earth to the sun. And so it's almost, as the earth rotates, so does that imaginary line and so does the type of constellations that is available for us to see. 
with a naked eye. Some of them are better than others, and depending on the time of the year, you will see others more clearly. Right now, we are mid-June, so we are going to see this one. Where is it? Supposed to be Cancer, right there. All of these are available for us to see at this moment. Now, you'll, for some of you, you may look and you may, you may think to yourself, well, Pastor, that is the same words in the constellations as astrology, not astronomy, two different things. But let's not forget that in the same way that the, the enemy has created something that was meant to be good, he, he changed it. One of them being the family, the other one being the day of rest, the other we can look at the sky. God hasn't, since the beginning of time, given us these uh, constellations for our understanding and for our knowledge. But the enemy has taken them and used it for a different purpose. Today I want to look at a particular constellation that's going to, when we start looking at it a little bit closer, it will start to pinpoint to us different components of the gospel. The reality is, is that, did you know that the majority of the constellation stars that we know of today, they have Arabic names? Because the very first astronomers were Arabian. They were from the Middle East. That's why when we read the story of the gospel, we read that there was the Magi, they came from where? The East, they were Arabs. Why? They were astronomers. There was a prophecy that stated that there was going to be a new star coming at the time that coincided with the arrival of the Messiah. And so there was a new star that came out, and this new star fell right on top in the horizon over Jerusalem. And so they followed it. But today I want, to, I want to look at a different constellation. The constellation that is found, or the hints, the beginnings of it, is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And it says this, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. This is the beginning of God revealing the gospel to Adam and Eve. You may, you may know the story that both Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden fruit. And then as, as they begin to hide and they begin to walk away from God, he found them. And, and, he, and he eventually cursed the animal that enticed both Adam excuse me, Eve, and then Adam, to eat of that fruit. 
And this was his promise. There's going to be war. There's going to be a clash. There's going to be, there's not going to be any friendship. There's going to be animosity between the woman and your seed and her seed. The woman, we interpret that as being the church prophetically. So those that belong to God are going to be at odds, are going to be clashing with those that are not. But here's another, here's another Bible verse that talks about the woman. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Are you starting to see the connection a little bit? We're talking about a woman, right? Did you know that there's a constellation called Virgo, which means virgin in the skies? Today we look at it and we see this is the modern interpretation of it. This is how the world sees this constellation. But in actuality, it's gone away from its original drawing. Let me show you what that looks like. This is it. This is how the astronomers back in the, before astrology came into being, they depicted the woman as having a, a cluster of branches on one hand and wheat on the other. This is significant. No, this is not about being a, a woman being in her place. It has nothing to do with that. But I want to show you something that's really interesting. This is the actual constellation. Do you remember? Let's go back. This this drawing depicts it better than the other one. Let's go back. What is in her hand? What is in her right hand? Branch. Olive branch, okay? Some of you may know plants better than I do. What's in the, what's in the left hand? Wheat. The Hebrew word for the... For this constellation was called Temech. And the Arab was Alzima, which is the branch. The interesting part is that when you look at this, today, the word Virgo completely takes away the deeper meaning that is within these names that were originally assigned to it. Why? There are 24 words in the Hebrew vocabulary to describe the word branch. But only one of them is used to associate it with Jesus, the Messiah, the coming one, the chosen one, the anointed one. Can you guess what that is? Temek. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise 
to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth in the days that Judah will be saved. And Israel shall dwell safely. Now this is his name, which by he will be called the Lord our righteousness. Since the beginning of time, God had placed this constellation and the early astronomers called it the branch. Why? The Holy Spirit. They called it the branch because there was, through the woman, somebody was going to come to, because of his righteousness, we would be able to dwell safely forever. This is just one constellation. I don't have time to go through all of them. There's another, another verse. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. How many of you have ever associated that name to Jesus, the branch? Yeah. No, there's a, there's a parable in the New Testament. I am, I'm, talks about Jesus being the, the vine. Us being the branches, but we can only be the branches if we are connected to the vine. See, we can only have salvation if we are connected to the vine, the branch, the chosen one. We can only be restored. We can only live a righteous a life if we are connected to the branch. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how many times you open your Bible in the morning or in the evening. It doesn't matter how many times, because you can read this. By the way, the Bible says that the spirits, the evil angels, they know, and when they hear the word of God, they tremble. They know the Bible backwards and forwards, but they are not connected. Remain in me and I in you, says Jesus. And that is how you will produce fruit. When we are connected to the branches, when we are connected to the branch, in this case, his righteousness will live through me. And I will be living according to his plan. There's another constellation that is I want to bring up. I'm not going to get into its history, but this is the constellation that is used for navigation. How many of you heard of the North Star? Do you know why it's called the North Star? Not because it's in the north. It's called Polaris. That is the name of it. But it has a specific function. It does not move necessarily. So how, when, you, when you navigate at night, they say that you're supposed to take two pieces of stick, put it in the ground, and then line, put a string on it and line it up with one of the stars. And you let some time pass by, and then you, when you come back and you look at that star, if it's 
if, if it tilts to the left, it means that you're, you're, you're facing west. If it tilts to the right, you're facing east. If the star goes down, you're looking south. If the star goes up, you're looking north. But the Polaris, the north star, is the only one that does not move. Because one, it's, it's so far, it becomes a constant in the night sky. How do you find the North Star? The Big Dipper is a good, good clue. So you see that the Big Dipper looks kind of like a ladle, right? And you take these two and make almost a pretty straight line, and it points you to the tail of the Little Dipper, and there's your North Star. But there's something important about this I don't want you to miss. In order for us to continue to move forward in our spiritual walk with God, we need to have Jesus as our North Star. We need to have Jesus as the one who we focus in all the time. I appreciated the, the quote for, from the inspired word, Dennis, because I'm going to close with one too. And she says, It is only when we fix our eyes on Jesus that we will be able to leave everything. You, you think about the disciples when Jesus called them, Come, follow me. They weren't looking at their boats. They weren't looking at the catch that, <laughs> I mean, think about it. Hey, throw your nets on the other side. We've been fishing all night. Really? Okay. Their nets were so full it ripped. Immediately they said, who are you? We want to be with you. We want to follow you. The Bible says they immediately dropped their nets. They dropped everything. They left their livelihood. They dropped their, their boat. Their, everything that was in their sphere. And they had just caught probably one of their biggest catches. And they left it. Why? They were fixing their eyes on Jesus. Where are you fixing your gaze today? Is it to Jesus? Is it on the North Star? Is it to the one who created and hung the stars? Job, he was sick and tired of suffering. He was sick and tired of being hurt. He was sick and tired of Scraping the wounds with a shard of clay. And he came to a point where he says, enough is enough, Lord. When are you going to come my way? And God looked at him and said, were you there when I hung Orion and Pleiades? Oh, by the way, are you able to widen the belt of Orion? 
Job took a long, hard look at the North Star and said, no, I can't, but you can. This has been a difficult week for some of you, for some of us, if not all of us. This has been a challenging time. But I want to encourage you, find the North Star, which is Jesus. Find the branch, connect with him. That's the only way you're going to make it. That is the only way you're going to be able to survive. When you are connected to the branch, the one whose seed is, has prevailed against the serpent. He's the only one. Fix your eyes on Jesus.